Hi everyone and welcome to the episode number two of the Gattocast, the nanowar related and unrelated stuff podcast with Gatto Panceri 666, which is me, I'm your host, founder and bass player of Nanowar of Steel. So today we're going to talk about one of the songs that were featured on our latest full-length album. Um, the album is called Stairway to Valhalla and the song is called Tooth Fairy. Now, let me have a few introductory words on this song. First of all, um, I'm pretty proud of this song because the lyrics actually make sense in a way. What I mean is that uh, they are not just a random parody, they are not just some random bullshit like uh, maybe Barbie meets Princess of the Twilight, but um, if you actually read be um, if you actually read and understand the text, uh, you would notice that there's uh, not just um, an ensemble of uh, acronyms and um, and funny words, but uh, it's rather um, It's rather, um, it tells a story that makes sense from an economic point of view. Now, let me have a couple of disclaimers. First of all, I'm not an economist, so I like economics. I read a lot of about economics and finance, but by training, I am, as you might know, an astrophysicist. So all my knowledge in the economics field comes uh, purely from my um, interest. So I'm myself taught uh, whatever I learned. I I self taught it. I'm, I, I, I'm an independent learner, so to say. And second disclaimer: now, as um, you will notice if you know economics, but if you don't, now let me tell it to you. Uh, the lyrics of these songs are inspired by the business cycle theory of Mises and Hayek, who are two Austrian economists. Of the, um, they were, were pretty famous in the beginning of the last century, so beginning of the 20th century. And what I'm doing in this song, I'm not endorsing or criticizing the theory, I'm just uh, making a song out of it because it sounds funny. That's the bottom line. So please do not draw any um, political conclusion on Nano's standpoint on economics or on social issues. That's absolutely not what we want to do, even though here the subject matter is pretty uh, politically and economically charged, I would say, like from these two standpoints. But uh, we just want to make people laugh. And the bottom line of this song is that, though, as I said, it makes sense in, 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 in the sense that um, words are not just uh, random uh, jokes but they, uh, they do tell something deeper about, uh, they convey some deeper messages about um, economic theories. Um, despite this, uh, we do not want to endorse any political or economical uh, position. That's not what we want to do, we just have, want to have people laugh at what we say. Now, let me introduce you to this song. It was written around 2015-2016. So, some of the facts uh, and people mentioned in the song, in the lyrics, that was then released uh, two years after. Um, so, some of the facts and people that are uh, referred to, um, you will notice uh, there are maybe a couple of outdated facts and uh, numbers that are quoted there, uh, simply because the song was published two years, uh, two to three years after it was actually been written. So, How did we uh, come with the idea of the song and the lyrics? 
Well, first of all, as you might have noticed, the music is pretty much inspired by Stradivarius, but this is something that came after. So the first idea was to write a song pretty much in the vein of what we did with um, Barbagianni, so with the Il Cacciatore della Notte, which is a um, song that we wrote in Italian, and it's pretty technical in its details about um, this, um, this bird. So it's a, no, it's a kind of old... Uh, that we are writing about and there's basically no jokes in that song if you really read the lyrics it's uh it's a very serious song in that way and so we wanted to do something along those lines here in the sense that we have wanted to have some discrepancy from we wanted to create this effect of um discrepancy between a very serious text and a very um heavy metal song so in the in the vein of stratovarius now the thing that will work, at least, that um, we were thinking of is that Stradivarius, they have all these uh, sort of mystical themes, like they talk about Nostradamus a lot, and they have all these... Uh, this is, I mean, it's not just Stradivarius, but they are one of the ones that can come to my mind. So, um, And it would be funny to think about this band singing about finance and um, monetary policy and economics with very deep conviction, just like we do in this song. So... This was more or less the uh, basic idea. Now, let me start with the song. So we'll go through the lyrics. And so let's go. This is how the song starts. We'll listen to the first chunk up to the first um, strophe. So here we go. There's another message that I want to tell you today. Is that within our mandate, within our mandate. the ECB is ready to do Whatever it, takes whatever it takes to preserve the euro and believe me it will be enough <laughs> So what you heard was basically the introduction of the song and there's um, in the first strophe we are there's two lines that go like this and say floating in the night on your butterfly wings sneaking in the room while the infant is asleep eye for an eye coin for a tooth tooth fairy do you know the financial impact of your deeds all right so the first two lines are just an introduction to what the tooth fairy is supposed to do so bringing um, entering a room while the infant sleeps and so there's nothing deep about these uh, first two lines and then there's the um, turning point of the song which, which comes pretty early on and it's eye for an eye, koi for a tooth 
to theory do you know the financial impact of your deeds so here is the basic mechanism by which we claim that tooth theory is generating inflation now i mean has a so by which the uh, tooth fairy is having an impact on the um, on the economy as a whole. They what does the uh, tooth fairy do? Then um, the tooth fairy exchanges a coin for a tooth, so it's giving money in exchange for a um, for a tooth, so for a dead tooth. And so the thing is that uh, once you do this, you are supposed to you supposedly creating money out of thin air. And this is a mechanism that we'll be exploring later on. So it's, it's linked to inflation. And so, um, to the theory, do you know the financial impact of your deeds? So, let us go on with the song and listen to the first bridge of the song. Here we go. So, did anybody tell you that by inflating the money supply you are distorting the structure of production? Did anybody tell you that PQ equals MV? You are responsible for the rise of the interest rates. Alright, so money supply, uh, what is it? It's basically quantity of money that circulates in an economy. It can be defined in several ways. Uh, there are actually three to four definitions, if I don't remember wrongly. But um, anyway, bottom line is that the money supply is a term that refers to the quantity of money for those of you who are not familiar with this definition. Um, now there's a very specific term that refers to, that is very widely used by Austrian economics author, authors and is um, the structure of production. Now, what is the structure of production and why, how is the tooth fairy distorting the structure of production? First of all, the structure of production is a concept that is related to the fact that uh, producing goods in an economy has different stages. Now you have two different um, types of goods. You have capital goods that are, for example, machines and factories are not goods that you would um, that serve human beings per se. They are goods that are created in order to create other goods. So you don't build the factory because you like the factory. You build the factory because you want to build objects that you like. For example, you want to build a sex toys factory or an ice cream factory because then these um, goods like sex toys, ice creams um, are consumer goods. So they are uh, goods that can be directly consumed by the um, users, so by the people. And, um, and so this, these goods are those that are important from the standpoint of uh, human welfare, so to say. Now, how much money in an economy is allocated in the production of capital goods or consumer goods depends on interest rates, which in turn also depend on the quantity of money. So the thing is that interest rates in a way can be seen as a price of money. So if there is a lot of money in circulation at first, we might think that the interest, rate, interest rates drop down because money is plenty, is plentiful and abundant. And so this is a general term for the, at least for the beginning of, of the inflation of the money supply. This is what happens, like when central banks lower the, the um, interest rates, then the, um, 
the prices, sorry, the uh, interest rates go down, and um, which means that there will be it will be easier to borrow money from a central bank or from a bank in general as a second order effect. And so low interest rates means that there will be more long-term projects such as um, the kind of capital goods that I was talking of. And why does this happen? This happens because long-term projects are those that are more sensitive to the change, to the variation in interest rates. So, for example, if you have to spend, if you have to buy something that costs uh, 100 euros, so say, and interest rates are uh, 1%, then after 10 years, you would pay 110 euros as total price. But if the interest rates were 5%, after 10 years, you would be paying 150. So there's a huge difference, there's 40 euros difference. If for the same good you don't have a time span of 10 years, but you only have one year, then the difference is only 4 euros. It's not so much in the end. You might as well go for the higher interest rates. It's not affecting so much the, the price. It's only it's, um, it's 4% of the price difference. Whereas in 10 years, it's 40% of the price. So I hope you understand what I mean by this. Now, the thing is that this is a structural production, so you will be allocating more money to projects that require, that have a long-term kind of um, duration. So it's a long-term project, so like real estate, like building houses, building factories, and this kind of capital goods. So long-term projects will be affected the most. You will be allocating more money to this kind of long-term projects. So this is, at first, at first, it looks like interest rates go down and so this is stimulating the economy in a way so there are more long-term projects being started there's um, it, you know like there's more money and people are spending more but the thing is that when this mechanism is not backed up by a increase in the productivity uh, it means that there is too much money circulating so this is an artificial effect and so this is generating inflation in the sense that there is too much money in circulation with respect to the goods that the economy can produce. So this in turn leads to the high interest rates. So this is what we say in the end. You're responsible for the rise of the interest rates. Because um, at first interest rates go down, then monetary inflation kicks in. It takes some time, so at first it, everything looks nice and bright, and then after a couple of years, inflation catches up because the economy is not, in fact, um, able to sustain this monetary expansion, and so prices need to rise because there is too much money with respect to the abundance of goods <coughs> in the um, in the economy. So again, this is what triggers the high interest rates that we are um, holding the tooth fairy responsible for. Now there is this PQ equals MV. So first of all, let me say that this is more likely the first time, at least it's the first time I've seen um, an equation inside um, a song. So I'm pretty proud of this. If you know of any other song featuring equations, whatever they are, can be from economics, biology or physics, mathematics, whatever, let me know because I'm not aware of that. So I'll go to Wikipedia here and refer to um, the equation of exchange 
you see PQMV. So P is the price level, Q is the um, index of um, expenditures, so how much money is being spent on goods and services in a given economy. V is the so-called velocity of money, so it's the, it's the frequency at which uh, money is being spent. And M is the total amount of money supply. So what you see here is that if you keep Q, the expenditure on goods, and P, fixed. So if you increase M, the money supply, then you see that price level has to go up. Let me state it again. If you fix two of the terms, as for example, if you, um, the velocity and um, expenditure index Q, if you increase the money supply, then also P has to go up, which is basically what we are claiming here, that um, Tooth Fairy is generating inflation by means of uh, expansion of the, um, of the money supply. Again, so here we ended up commencing the first bridge and we move on to the chorus. Let's listen to the chorus of Tooth Fairy. Here we go. Alright, so first of all, let me comment on the helicopter drop. Um, everything else I think is pretty much self-explanatory. We already said that the tooth fairy is uh, creating inflation and by means of uh, increase of the money supply without increasing the productivity of the economy. So what is a helicopter drop? It's a term that was invented, so to say, by Milton Friedman. And why... Why did he, what, what, what was he referring to when talking about helicopter drop? Now, the thing is that in general, if you have a central bank pumping money into an economy, uh, you would do it by means of, uh, for example, injecting capitals into private banks or other financial institutions, and um, money might just as well stay there and might not go into circulation in the economy and might not cause uh, inflation. So there are there are many examples related to Japan, for example, famously in the 90s and in the years uh, 2000 um, up to nowadays, um, they have uh, repeatedly tried to increase inflation rates by expanding the monetary mass and they didn't succeed. Now, what Milton Friedman said is that if you really want to be successful in driving up prices, so in driving up inflation, avoiding um, deflation, um, the most effective way would be to drop money with a helicopter. So you just take uh, packs of money and drop them with a helicopter around cities. So people would just get them and spend it straight away. And this would be the most effective way of generating inflation. Now, he wasn't really advocating for that. He was just stating, stating that this would be an ineffective mechanism. He wasn't really saying that uh, seriously. It was... I think it was sort of metaphor of uh, making of clearing things, so making it clear how would someone be really sure to, um, of generating inflation with a very straightforward um, method. So 
your donations push up aggregate demand. So aggregate demand is the total demand. Aggregate in the sense that includes the states, uh, and institutions and people's demand for goods and services. So what we're saying here is that the tooth fairy is giving money to people and people will uh, consume and more consumption means more demand for goods and services. This is pretty straightforward. Your donations push up aggregate demand. Thanks to a higher MPC. Now, this is another economic terms. So the MPC is the marginal propensity to consume. And it basically means what's the, um, if I give you a hundred extra dollars, what's the fraction of this money that you're likely to be consuming. Now, if you give this money to a very rich person, maybe he won't consume it, he will just invest it or put it somewhere in a bank account. If you give it to some poor people or with people with low in sense of investment or simply um, kids because they don't have um, a feel of uh, retiring for or saving or, or investing. Um, now this money would most likely be spent straight away. And so once you spend on goods um, and services, you're, you're increasing the aggregate demand, as, as, as I said before. And so individuals with a higher MPC, such as kids, that are the ones that um, are targeted by the monetary expansion of the tooth fairy, they are, the, um, they are those that uh, drive up aggregate demand through a higher MPC, as I explained. So, next step is wiping out the wealth of the middle class. Now, wealth is accumulated income. So, is, you can look at it in terms of um, savings in the bank account, real estate um, properties, um, investments um, in stocks and so on. And so the thing is that with the high inflation, when inflation kicks in, the monetary value of these assets is dropping in the sense that if you bought a home for 100,000 euros and then the euro loses most of its value within one year, part of the value of um, the house that you own is being lost. Now, low class does not have much of a um, accumulated income, does not have much of wealth, so there's nothing to wipe out there. Upper classes, um, they usually have uh, large chunks of their um, wealth abroad or in, um, in very well protected assets, I mean like they might have gold or they might have bank accounts abroad and so they might not be, uh, they're not completely affected by domestic inflation. So domestic inflation mainly targets um, the wealth of the middle class. Last step, stop it in the name of the central bank. Now, central banks are the institutions that regulate the quantity of money in an economy. Most of the times, not uh, Italian central bank is not doing that because it's part of the Eurozone, but that's sort of an exception in the world. So the tooth fairy should really stop creating money in the name of the central bank. So we are reclaiming here the authority of the central bank over the um, generation of additional monetary means and the distribution of monetary means inside an economy. So we finished this part of the song. Let's move on to the second strophe. Your expansionary policies, the chairman of the 
right, so let's start with the definition of risk-free asset. What is a risk-free asset? Risk-free assets are generally uh, defined as those assets such as treasury bills or real estate investment, maybe in some cases, um, that have no risk. So you invest your money, you're getting some return, maybe it's not that high because risk and um, yeah, risk and um, interest rates are related. So and returns are related. Of course, you get more for a more risky project, but you also have higher chances of loss. So for risk-free assets, means uh, it's a it's an asset that you are sure you will get your money back. Now, um, in this case, there's no such thing as a risk-free asset because if inflation is high, then all the assets, basically all the domestic assets, such also um, such as treasury bills, if they are denominated in um, in domestic currency, or even real estate investment projects, they will be losing their value very 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 fast. So when you have these bursts of hyperinflation, such as Venezuela nowadays, um, such as it was in Yugoslavia in the 90s. And there's plenty of other examples, Germany in the 20s, Hungary in the 50s, I guess, 40s, 50s. Um, when you have these bursts of very high inflation, then everything is uncertain. You don't have risk-free assets anymore. So it's been criticized by the Wall Street Journal. So the Wall Street Journal is, uh, I hope you know that, is one of the most uh, renewed, worldwide renewed so newspapers on um, economics and finance and so is criticizing the expansionary policies so expansionary policies is a term that is being used for um, policies so monetary policies that induce to um, an expansion of the monetary base as the one that is being performed by the tooth fairy now fed chairman yellen as i said at the beginning of the song this song was written around 2015, 16, and at the time Janet Yellen was um, was the Fed chairman. So Fed is the is a uh, short for um, short term for Federal Reserve, so the central bank of the United States. And she was Fed chairman from 2014 to 2018. She was replaced by Jerome Powell. At, in February 2018, and she replaced Ben Bernanke. Now, um, as I said, the Federal Reserve is the uh, institution responsible for um, the issuing of the US currency. And of course, as every central bank, as I mentioned before, for all the central banks, they um, do not allow other institutions or other people, such as the Tooth Fairy, um, to interfere with the control of the money supply. And this is uh, what, what it's saying afterwards. It's breaking your mandate. So the mandate of the Tooth Fairy is surely not generating money out of thin air. And so it shouldn't be, um, it's, it's basically breaking the law. It's not, it's breaking the contract. It's, not, it's doing things that are outside of the legal scope of the tooth fairy so it's a, that's why it says it's uh, anti-constitutional it's uh, it's basically illegal what's the fed what the sorry what the tooth fairy is, is doing 
And so this is what um, the Fed Chairman Yellen is claiming. And I think Jerome Powell would be claiming the same thing too, if only he knew about the Tooth Fairy. Did you know the Treasury is emitting CPI index bonds to counteract your inflationary pressure? All right, so the Treasury is the Minister of Finance and say they say it's emitting CPI index bonds. CPI means Consumer Price Index. And uh, Consumer Price Index is a way of measuring inflation. So it's, um, it's an index that takes into account a given basket of consumer goods and it's tracking how the prices of these goods are rising or falling and therefore it's um, tracking whether inflation is rising or falling. That's um, the way it's intended. Consumer price inflation, basically. And so one way of counteracting inflation in the sense of um, taking it into account and so allowing people to do investments with some degree of safety is emitting CPI index bonds. So what the Ministry of Finance does basically is selling bonds whose price, whose interest rates are indexed, indexed to the uh, consumer price index, which means that um, every year they will take into account into the revaluation also um, a percentage that's related to this CPI value. And so this is um, a way of counteracting, um, of not allowing this kind of uh, assets not to lose too much value during time, also making them good for investors to buy. Because if you know that this uh, asset is, this price is going to be re-indexed with, um, with inflation value, according to the relative inflation value, then it won't lose value during time. You will be offsetting the uh, value being um, subtracted by the inflation. And so you will be more likely to buy it. And so the treasury will still be able to sell bonds this way. So um, your plan to destabilize the Bolivarian Republic of Venezuela with double-digit inflation is now public domain. So this is another thing that is not strictly true because we say that it's destabilizing uh, Venezuela with double-digit inflation, which means, um, so when we wrote the song, this in the inflation rate in Venezuela was around 60%. So it was, that was the depreciation unofficially because they had this uh, very weird system where the state was uh, basically fixing the official exchange rate, whereas the um, black market was determining the real the real exchange rate of the um, Bolivar, so the national currency of Venezuela to the dollars. And it was losing value at around 60%, I think, per month back then in 2016. Now this value is, is much higher. It's six digits and it's uh, annualized value is around um, 500,000. So this is the last value I found. So it's, uh, it's actually much, much, much higher than it was. It's, uh, it's a thousand times higher at least than it was in 2016. 10, it was 1,000 to 10,000 higher.
So we are saying that the tooth fairy is causing these inflation rates, uh, these crazy inflation rates in Venezuela. Um, this is not strictly true because we know that this is due to uh, Maduro printing money like crazy. So anyway, it uh, sounds good. I don't think there's, again, I don't think there's any song ever that had the Bolivarian Republic of Venezuela word in it and it sounds pretty nice in my opinion this is one of the most hilarious parts of the song though it's completely serious um to fairy aside everything else it's pretty serious now let's go back and listen to one chorus more Alright, so the lyrics of this chorus are the same as the previous one except for the last uh, line that says stop it in the name of the Philips Cur. So first we are saying stop it in the name of the central bank, now it's stop it in the name of the Philips Curve. So what's the Philips Curve? It's an empirical correlation between unemployment and inflation rates. It's not a strictly causal relation, that's not how Philips, the guy that sort of discovered it by looking at, I think it was UK uh, data, um, he sort of found this correlation. So the correlation is uh, between high inflation and low unemployment and vice versa. So there are um, periods in the history of, um, he was looking at the UK, but this, is, this can be seen in other countries too. You can see for some short times um, that inflation, um, so high rates of inflation are related to lower unemployment rates. And uh, so, and also when you have very um, tight monetary policy, when you have very low inflation rates, then you see also unemployment increasing. Now, this is not strictly true, and there's um, Counter-examples to this, like, for example, the US during the 70s, also Italy during the 80s. So there are both countries where you had uh, stagflation, so you had high inflation rates, but this uh, high inflation was also coupled to high unemployment rates at the same time. So this is not strictly true, it's, uh, it's like... Um, it's an empirical correlation that happens sometimes. Now, I didn't dig 
too deep into this uh, into the evolution of the Philips Cure in Neo Keynesian model and other things. So I'm not I'm not aware of the status nowadays. What's the academic status of this um, <coughs> of this cure nowadays? How is this regarded? So this again, this is um, let me tell one more thing. This is not completely negative from the point of view of the tooth fairy in the sense that high inflation leading to low unemployment, well, this might be a, a good trade-off uh, in the sense that low unemployment rates are generally seen as a positive uh, policy feature. So here we come with the beats of the song that refers to Mario Draghi, um, actually Mario Dragons. Dragons is a translation for Italian word Draghi, is exact, exactly the same except it sounds more epic in English, I would say, Mario Dragons, I don't know, sort of, it has some sort of Rhapsody of Fire flavor in it, sounds really nice. And so Mario Dragons already stated he'll do everything it takes to shield Eurozone from your speculative attack. Now, as we listen to in the introduction of the song, in the very first seconds of the song, there's um, a quote from Mario Draghi, there's an audio excerpt, uh, where he says that he's ready to do whatever it takes to protect the euro. This is a famous quote from 2012 during the um, sovereign debt crisis in um, Italy and Spain. And he meant to say that the European Central Bank, the ECB, was ready to defend um, the euro, to stabilize the euro. And what he was actually doing was purchasing bonds, sovereign bonds in the secondary markets from Italy and Spain, for example. Also, I think for other troubled countries back then, but um, Italy and Spain were the main, um, they were the main targets, so to say, of speculation during 2012. They were the riskier countries. And so, uh, has Mario Dragons defeated sort of the speculators in the sense that after is whatever it take is this, this famous quote, um, the spread, so the difference on interest rate being paid on the periphery sovereign debt, so peri by, we, by periphery I mean yeah, Spain, Italy, Greece, Portugal, with respect to Germany and the core of the Eurozone. So after the whatever it takes, uh, this spread reduced, so the difference in price was reduced thanks to the intervention of Mario Draghi. So thanks to his thanks to his uh, defense of uh, these uh, peripheral peripheral countries. <laughs> now here comes the solo. Let's listen to the solo up to the central part, special part of the song. Here we go.
All right, so uh, you are committed to inflation. Okay, first line is pretty much self-evident. Second line, here we go with a quote. We quote Paul Krugman, the famous Nobel Prize economist. He won the no, he was awarded the Nobel Prize in Economics in uh, 2008. He's a former MIT and Princeton professor. He's still nowadays a New York Times uh, columnist. So he was famous for advocating expansionary policies during the Great Recession, so during the last crisis from 2008 to 2012, yeah, 13, well, deep, deep into uh, the recovery period, he was still advocating for an increase in the money supply, especially in the EU and especially for Spain, as, uh, as far as I remember to um, get the countries back on track, basically, with public spending and expansion of the monetary supply to uh, sort of uh, restart the economy, to reactivate the economy by stimulating consumption. So, thanks to a higher MPC, as the tooth fairy would say. And so, yeah, the Nobel laureate Paul Krugman is on the side of the tooth fairy, as they both advocated monetary expansions. There goes the QE1, QE2. QE is an acronym that stands for quantitative easing. This is a mechanism by which central banks buy assets such as bonds, shares from financial institutions, from banks, to increase their liquidity. So what happens? Like if you have a financial institution that cannot lend money, because everything is invested in in bonds or yeah shares so the central bank comes and buys these bonds and shares from this financial institution and this way is allowing the financial institution to get more liquidity and with this liquidity they can give new loans with new loans there can be new projects starting there can be investments in factories so it's a way of uh, sort of restarting the economy by providing liquidity to banks that have that have been stuck with a lot of uh, assets in their balance sheets that they cannot be uh, converted so to say to liquid money or if you sell if you had to sell all of them then for example if you were selling all the shares together then the shares price would drop and this would not be a good thing for the company holding those shares, for example. So this is um, a way, it's, an, it's the non-conventional non way of um, intervening in the economy by central banks. This is sort of an emergency mechanism that was first um, experimented by the Bank of Japan, then by the US Central Bank, and then also in, in Europe. It had a different name, but um, I think it was LTRO, sort of long-term refinancing operation, so something like that in, in um, for the BCE under Mario Draghi. That was a mechanism I was using for um, refinancing, so providing liquidity to um, banks in the Eurozone. And the same thing happened in the US. It started with the US, so in the US uh, famously made, made the famous acronym QE1, QE2, QE3, that's... Um, QE4, there's no such thing as a QE4, but QE1, QE3, and QE, uh, sorry, QE1, QE2, and QE3 were three uh, waves of quantitative easings, so three phases that were um, 
they were run in 2009, 2010, 2012 also. And they were meant to, again, there were three phases of, um, of this buying of assets by the central bank to provide liquidity to uh, private banks in, and stimulate them and then, so in a way to encourage them to borrow, so to lend the money and so to get more investments going and to get the economy starting. That was more or less the um, idea then. Let me comment on another couple of terms that are being used here. There is the lender of last resort. So lender of last resort is a name that is usually, um, it's, a it's one of the tasks of the um, central banks. So being a lender of last resort means that when, is, when there is a bank run, there is a panic. Everyone is going to withdraw their money from a bank, for example, if there, is, if there are voices, um, if there are so rumors spreading about um, a bank that is going bankrupt you don't want to lose your money you go to the bank and you withdraw all your savings except that if everyone does so then the bank of course does not have all the money altogether they are probably investing part of that maybe the bank is not even that bad it's just uh, you know it's just hearsay and rumors that's spreading the word that uh, the bank is insolvent and is going bankrupt so what the central bank does it's lending the money to these uh, private banks that can, so this way they don't have to sell all their assets uh, and they can sort of restore confidence in the customers. So again, there's another term here that we encounter is uh, QE3, QE4, increase M1 even more. So M1 is a measure of the money supply. It includes all the most liquid, uh, so it's, 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 it's including money itself, so like coins, banknotes, checks and everything that can be converted into mm, real money so to say in um, in no time so stocks and bonds for example they are not uh, part of m1 they you need to sell them you need to find a buyer they might not be so liquid so the tooth fairy by creating new coins is increasing m1 now we come to one of the last uh, phrases. Let me comment on this one because I'm pretty proud of this as it's a very nice and clever analogy. Here it goes. You bail out children by buying their junk teeth at face value. You are the TARP of the human body. So what do you mean? Bailout children? Bailout is a term that has gained popularity in the last... Um, in the last years in connection to the bailing out so to the sort of rescuing of uh, banks and financial institutions when they were in trouble so they were being rescued by um, usually by the finance ministry or the central bank or other public institutions so usually it was something done with public money whether it was some european institution or national institution or in the us whether it was the federal reserve or uh, the treasury now, um, so this say it's saying that uh, the tooth fairies uh, rescuing the children by buying their junk teeth at face value. So junk is a term that usually applies to um, unsecured, to very um, low value financial assets. It's a, it's another jargon term for um, that is widely used in finance. So you very much often, pretty much often hear the term junk bonds, for example. So 
here we are saying that uh, Tooth Fairy is buying something of very low value at its face value. So the face value is like its original value. What we're saying is basically you're paying something that it's like second hand and broken for the um, full price. So it's like the original, the new one, the brand new one. And um, in this way you are bailing out children. And this comes the metaphor. You are the TARP of the human body. TARP is a um, program that was uh, started by the late Bush and um, it means Troubled Assets Relief Program. It was a program that in which the Treasury would buy toxic assets, so junk assets in a way, um, such as mortgage-backed securities, um, shares, equity for um, troubled firms and so on. And the um, idea was to give financial relief to institutions that were holding these uh, assets. They were having these um, bonds, these, these um, securities. And so the idea was that the government was buying most of these uh, junk assets, so this shitty, um, these shitty securities, that might have been also devalued just for a small period of time, and whose price later on increased, but anyway. The point is that uh, when the US government bought most of these uh, troubled assets, they were paying them for the face value. So they were not actually taking the market rates for some of them that were completely um, irrelevant. In some cases, they were close to zero or very, very low again. They lost a lot of the value for which they had been purchased. So again, what the, in a way, we can say that what the Treasury did in this case was to buy used second-hand um, assets at a new, at a brand new price. So which was not a very good deal. I mean, in the end, it turned out pretty okay, to be honest. Um, this program did not incur in a very large loss. I mean, it was probably a loss only if accounting for inflation during these years. Otherwise, in monetary terms, it was a plus for the Treasury. So the Tooth Fairy is buying um, junk teeth, so it's buying worthless pieces of the body at their uh, face value so it's as as if they were new and and this is the analogy with the TARP so the tooth fairy is the troubled asset relief program of the human body it is a very clever analogy if i can say clever of something i written me myself but uh, i won't be um, humble on this i'm very I think it's a very nice analogy and um, again, I think it's the only time that uh, the TARP term was uh, featured in one song. Prove me wrong if you can. So let us move on now to the very last sentence of the song. It ends with this different uh, sentence that goes like, stop it in the name of the Taylor's rule. Now, first of all, this is not a reference to the Taylor rule of polynomial expansion in uh, calculus. This is a comment that I've seen. There are a couple of comments that think that it was referring to that. No, it's talking about the Taylor rule of John Taylor. So it's the um, it's a rule that so it's a formula that tells uh, how much should um, central banks alter interest rates due to changes in economy. So it was like um, 
if there is some kind of growth or some kind of uh, unemployment, some given uh, data on unemployment and growth, so what should the uh, interest rate be and in order to stabilize the economy. So these Taylor's rules tells that uh, Federal Reserve should raise interest rates when inflation is high or also when employment rate levels are high. These are two of the recommendations of, um, of the Taylor's rule. Now, this was the last uh, sentence of the song and the song is over and I really appreciate uh, that you listen up to this point. Thanks a lot. Don't forget to subscribe to our channels on YouTube. Follow us and follow me on Instagram. Um, you can follow us on Facebook and we are on Twitter as well. Don't forget that for the most generous among you, we have a, a Patreon account, so you're very welcome to join it and uh, donate. We'll be very happy. We need your support to continue our independent music um, crusade and now also to support this podcast that is being offered by your host Gatto Panceri 666 thanks a lot to everyone and see you in the future <laughs>